0: welcome back to our soul a podcast by faith choice ohio ohio's faith voice for choice hello everyone and welcome back to our soul and um you know it is still black history month and i don't i don't say that because the only time we ever talk about black people is during black history month if you have listened to us for any amount of time you would know that we do not talk about only black or we don't only talk about black people during black history month however um i we have you know historic moments of partial justice that happened during black history month and i think it would be remiss to not talk about them and um Again, uh, today we are recording on Tuesday, February 22nd, 2022, two, 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 two. Um, and, uh, the news was released today that, um, the people who murdered Ahmaud Aubrey have been convicted of a hate crime. And I kind of, you know, similar to the announcement that Derek Chauvin was, um, convicted of, uh, murder, um, I have, like, a mix of feeling like some amount of justice has been served and also feeling as if no justice has been served because we live in a system of punishment and, um, one that is not actually, you know, fully aware of the full picture. And so, Today, I kind of want to talk about the relationship between this partial injustice or this partial justice um, that we're experiencing with this um, new conviction. Where you know, it's it's great. I'm I'm glad that some amount of accountability is being um, you know is is happening with the people who killed Amada Aubrey. I think that's right. However the punishment the punishment system that we have does not negate the fact that or does not even do anything about the fact that people will still commit hate crimes um in the same way that Derek Chauvin's conviction did not uh you know stop police from killing black people and I know last time we specifically didn't talk about black pain, but it would be hard for me not to mention it in this episode. Um, but when I think about this, I, I think also about um, abortion access. And I think about how, you know, I, I am a black person. And I am also, I would say that I'm probably middle class. I don't know. Classes are weird. Um, But I know that if I wanted to get an abortion, that um, I could, I have the ability to take time off from my job if I needed to get an abortion. And I am pretty sure that my insurance would cover it. And even if my insurance didn't cover it, I am in enough place of privilege that I can afford to, to pay whatever, whatever it takes if I needed access to abortion. And that is great for me. It's good for me. I'm glad that I have that kind of access. However, the fact that, you know, I can travel to one of the very few abortion clinics here in Ohio um, does not negate that there are people that do not have an abortion clinic nearby or do not have the kind of access to funds that I have or don't have the ability to take time off. And, um, you know, the fact that we have, the, the fact that just abortion is legal, you know, we talk about how row is the floor and the floor may come out underneath us here soon. Um, and I, I just kind of want to talk about how that's not enough. You know, it, it, we shouldn't settle for, um, Ahmaud Aubrey's uh, killers being convicted. And we also shouldn't settle for abortion just being legal. So that's kind of like where I'm at, what I'm bringing to this table right now. Um, so I would love to have a conversation with you, Terry, about, about this topic and this, uh, you know, this crossover that I'm seeing.
1: There is just so much, so much wrapped up with the consideration, and I, Kelly, I love the lens that you bring to this question around the the murderers of Ahmad Arbery. You know, we see this drama play out. You know, on a national scale of trying to seek some measure of partial justice mm-hmm. after a person has lost their life. You know, the the affidavits that came forward and the, the pleadings um, around this case talk about Ahmad Arbery being deprived of the right to use the sidewalk, right? Like, that is where the focus for anyone who's seeking justice in this space is. That there is no full justice because nothing will bring that person... That, that person who had autonomy, that person who had a right to their own body and a right to live safely. Nothing will bring that person back. And at the same time, by God, we want to see something done that will at least impact the future. It might not change everything, but it certainly changes something. And that is so incredibly linked with the ability to maintain personal and bodily autonomy. You know, the the definition of reproductive justice, we say it a lot on this podcast, but, you know, it bears repeating because until everybody knows it, um, we're going to keep repeating it, right? Uh, our friends at Sister Song, Sister Song, great RJ organization, Sister Song defines reproductive justice as the human right to maintain personal and bodily autonomy, to have children, to not have children, and to parent the children That folks do have in safe and sustainable communities. And I hear that safe and sustainable communities piece so differently when I think about Ahmaud Arbery. Mm -hmm. You know, it is reproductive justice to expect and to demand from the world safe and sustainable communities. And there's so many people who look at these issues as if they're they're rooted in personal choice right mm-hmm. um you know and and we see that trap when we consider racism as well right racism in our modern society so many people think about racism in terms of individual acts of prejudice instead of systemic oppression mm-hmm. right mm-hmm. we have the same problem when we look at at this this Justice system. I put big air quotes around justice system um, with the murderers of Ahmaud Arbery because it's not about their individual actions. It is, but it isn't, right? The case is about their individual actions, but the reality is not about their individual actions. The reality is about the fact that their individual actions were driven by a system that said it was okay in their minds and in their bodies for three white men to treat. A black man this way, to treat a person of color this way, um, and and that is black pain, no matter how you slice it, because that's every person of color. Mm-hmm. That's everybody, right? If if they can do that to this man, they can do that to any person within that white supremacist violent construct, and. There's got to be a recognition somewhere right like we've we've got to recognize that this is not a problem that gets fixed it is a system that must be reassembled and healed that takes time that takes energy that takes engagement it takes multiple drafts right it's it's not flipping a light switch it is growing a rich garden right safe and sustainable communities
0: yeah and hmm. and and what safe and sustainable looks like to one person is not necessarily the same as, like, what safe and sustainable looks like to another person. But the the thing is that, like, that safety level, that safety is the bare minimum. The fact that, you know, a person cannot use the sidewalk without without being concerned with their own safety. And the fact that a person cannot, like, at the very least, I believe that every person deserves access to human pleasure and they should not have to, you know, they should not have to pay for birth control or, you know, have to any, any femme person, any person who could get pregnant should not have to be the one to provide birth control for the person who may impregnate them. They should not always have to be the one. To make sure that, you know, they are taking the necessary precautions. It shouldn't, it shouldn't have to be, for the, for the bare minimum of human pleasure. It, it, there should not be a cost to human pleasure. This is, it's, Mm. it's, it's capitalism. Mm. You know, you're saying that everybody should have to pay to have sex. Um, and... I just, I just don't think that that should be true in the same way that I don't think that black people should have to be on guard to live a life where they enjoy outdoors, you know? And, and, you know, just because you've made the personal decision to, to be on guard, if you are, you know, a black person, because it's been made clear that no black person is safe (laughs) anywhere. Um, but just because you've, you know, may have put yourself in s- situations or made sure that you had protections, was who who knows that that's even going to, you know, fully protect you? In the same way that birth control does not fully protect any person who may become pregnant from getting pregnant. There's always that whatever, even if, if it's a point zero three percent chance of, of, failure, you know, there's still that chance that um, birth control could fail. And so it's just (laughs) the fact that like that, that one, you know, the bare minimum of if I am killed, the person who is or who has done that to me faces accountability. The fact that we have to wonder if that will happen is a shame. Everybody who even who lives in this society where we have to wonder whether or not you know somebody who killed somebody else is going to face any amount of accountability should be ashamed that that is true and in the same way the fact that the bare minimum of whether or not i choose to go through a nine month like medical (laughs) thing like have to deal with a health issue and i think that a, a person's decision on whether or not they want to go through that process and if they want to to have a child. The fact that the bare minimum of being able to choose that life or not is potentially not there. Like we should be ashamed at the the bare minimum of um, personal bodily autonomy being questioned. this This bare minimum, this partial, this partial justice on either side. The fact that you have to be you know privileged and that uh you know i i think back to our abolition um reads book series and um talking about the perfect victim and how you know black people have to be the perfect victim to um to even potentially get justice and and the fact that you know that is true and also that um I, you know, I am afforded the ability to get an abortion by the fact that I am, you know, middle class and have insurance and also live in Columbus, you know, where I have readily available access to abortion. Like, I should not have to be so privileged to get this bare minimum of personal bodily autonomy. And, like, I shouldn't have to be the perfect victim or be you know, the perfect person to get the bare minimum of the human dignity of the person who harmed me gets accountability. And, you know, it's a whole different conversation about how, <laughs> how that person gets accountability and like how, how that works out in our society. But we're, we're not talking about that. We're talking about the bare minimum of that person has to face some amount of accountability. And like, <clears throat> it should not be news. This should not be right. news.
1: Right. Right. And the idea is, you know, in in both of these situations, when we think about, you know, access to reproductive rights, right, access to reproductive freedom, as well as this conversation about the ability to just live, you know, Ahmaud Arbery's ability to just live, those are baseline expectations of bodily autonomy and of the ability to be safe in who you are as an individual. Um, that we we should not it should not make news that it's not okay to deprive someone of the life that they choose, the life that they choose and the life that they want to live and desire to live. In the way they want to live it, like it, it, even even saying it out loud, it just sounds silly, right? Like, I, you know, how in the world? But this is the society that we find ourselves in—a society that does not respect the rights of a, a man like Ahmad Arbery to walk down the street and to be, just to be, to exist, take up space in places where three white men decide he should not be. And in the same way, we have a society that does not allow people who become pregnant to choose whether to have children or not based solely upon the opinions of, frankly, often uh, white men, right? You look at our legislature in Ohio, right? I mean, that that's who's uh, curtailing abortion access right now. Um, the judgment of those folks is what is curtailing the ability for a person to choose whether or not they have children, to give consent over their body and how their body is used and how their body, you know, brings forth, um, you know, other people into this world. And I I think, you know, we would be remiss if we didn't mention the, the very clear connection. And, you know, we won't go into it really in depth here, but, you know, look up Dorothy Roberts, look up Killing the Black Body, the deep connection between... Black bodies and forced birth—that was an economic reality. To force someone to give birth to produce more, to literally turn a person into a profit center—I mean, it—it it, is—it is like just otherworldly the the level of wrong that that is to force a person's bodily autonomy to go by the wayside because of productivity and financial gain. Mm-hmm. The reality is though that's that's at the root of a lot of capitalist uh systemic inequality not quite though in in that stark a term in terms of forcing birth. But that is our nation's history, that is who we are. That is then, how we have lived.
0: That and then you you get into, you know, black reproductive health and you know, um gosh the name is uh, escaping me right now but um, I know the like the father of like gynecology uh, tested on black women without anesthesia without doing surgical <laughs> procedures without any pain medication or, or anything like that um, because he believed that black women women did not have feel pain in the same way and then i and i think about even in this year of 2022 um we still have a higher rate of you know black infant mortality and um the the lack of care and understanding for black people who are um having children is atrocious like again, you know, I said earlier that we should be ashamed that we can't have this bare minimum and, and talking about this ability to to choose to not ha- to ch- have children or not have children. I talking about not having children, but you want to talk about having children. The fact that like there is more risk for a black person to have a child, not only in the life of that child after it is after they are born, but in just the process of having a child. You know, I I think about how, you know, thinking about my own reproductive health, when I decided to, and I've talked about this before, when I decided to have an IED, um, several of my friends said that I needed to go to a black, um, like, femme doctor. Because they were concerned that a male doctor or a, White doctor would not take my pain and my concerns seriously, and like we should be ashamed that that is a is a consideration that I've had to make, and I've said I've said that before, but like at the bare minimum, again t- thinking about that personal bodily autonomy, the human dignity, like my pain and my uh, personal autonomy over my body at the bare minimum like the fact that i have to i have to go out of my way to consider who my doctor is going to be and all of that because of this this history of seeing me and my people as capital as property Mm -hmm. uh, and and also as if we have any less pain than anybody else that's atrocious and shameful
1: like as a white person I grew up in a system where, like, you know, I went to a doctor who looked like me. Um, I can never really recall being disbelieved by a doctor. Um, I, I, I never had that experience because I exist in a system that was set up for people like me. Right. I, I exist as a white person in a, a white middle class system. That's arranged for my benefit. And I think it's so difficult for people in, you know, like, my position, and particularly people who are in my community, it's so difficult to even imagine that that experience is not universal. That going to the doctor's office is not a universally calming experience. Or that just, you know, rolling through the yellow pages and finding a dentist or rolling through, you know, the hospital directory and finding somebody for, you know, um, you know a specialty consult or whatever. Like, every single person who I know and have counseled or been around or been privileged to be friends with who is non-white has spent more time, effort, and energy picking out who they're going to go to in terms of a doctor than I think I have ever put into scheduling all of my appointments combined. You know, the referral system, the conversation around, you know, is this good? That is the the problem around the bare minimum. Like, folk are putting out a tremendous amount of effort because the lived experience is such that if that effort's not placed out, there could be real lasting damage. Yeah. and it should not be that way in the year of our lord 2022 20, right like
0: mm-hmm. and it's just again the like it is it is shameful the way that our society currently exists and you know it's it's not unfortunately um, I hate to I hate to have this episode be a lot about like the negative I I really do um, but it is you know the we're talking about like row being the floor the the bare minimum of uh there being some access, albeit minimal to abortion um so potentially not getting any better, and um you know it I think about the work that we do around um s m a and like regardless of the access of, to abortion a person should have access to self managed abortion and and medication abortion um, from their own home if if that is what they wish right. um but like it 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 makes that that work even even more important you know it's it's important to be, because we cannot we cannot accept the bare minimum but because we live in this society where we can't, there, you know, it's probably not going to get any better. I really hate to say that, um, and things, you know, in the in the long process of things getting better and us getting to the, the place where we have safe and sustainable communities and we have places where Black people are, are, um, safe it often gets worse before it gets better. The, the the powers that be that currently have hold on our society are ones that will go out kicking and, st- and screaming. Kicking yes. and screaming. And will probably try to tear things down as they go. And I think, you know, I since we've had this whole episode talking about all this pain and all of this terrible stuff that has happened and how we should be ashamed at the way that our society is currently um, you know, we have to talk about what we, what we have to do, you know, what, what do we do in this, in this area, you know, we, maybe you are, you are a <laughs> maybe you already know mm-hmm. this, maybe you, you know, you're kind of wrestling in the, with this in the same way that we are, um, and I think, like, what you can do is, you know, try to have, ha- have the ability to support your community and, like, have the... It, when when you have the ability to help someone get more access, like being being a person who can provide that information, like we provide at our um, self-managed abortion in good faith trainings, you too can uh, have the information that if somebody you know, you know, if a person needs access to self-managed abortion and they ask you questions, you can give them. Publicly uh, found information about self-managed abortion, and you know potentially give them the access that they deserve, the bare minimum.
1: Because everybody deserves access to information, Mm -hmm. and you know, Kelly, as we as we wrap up our time, um, I. I think about how often we in our, our cultural context in, you know, we're the nice Midwesterners, right? We want everything to be all wrapped up and like in a bow. No, some things have to be left where they are. Abortion access, the rights of people of color and particularly black folk in our society are in a real bad way today. And if no one does anything differently, they're gonna stay there. And I feel like, as you know, as a religious leader, we talk about confession being part of many religious traditions. Confession is essential. We have to confess where we are, and that means not trying to happy it up, not trying to dress it up, not trying to like glaze over everything, but to acknowledge the raw reality of where we are, and also acknowledge that literally nothing is going to change unless we change we must change we must change and in the midst of seeking that change and in the midst of being that change we also have to attend to all the woundedness that's happening right now and that's going to happen tomorrow and the day after and the day after because that's what being in the struggle for full justice means Mm. that's who we are we're people in the struggle for full justice
0: and, uh, you know, it's, it's going to continue to be a struggle. But I think remembering that, you know, just because there's partial justice does not mean that there's not still work to do. We can, we can both, you know, um, celebrate and reflect on the fact that, thank God, the bare minimum has been achieved yet again. And to continue to demand more to provide for our communities in whatever way we can. Um, and to survive. So uh, thanks, Terry, for chatting with me, and uh, we will be back in a couple weeks. Thank you for listening to this episode of Our Soul. If you'd like to hear more of our conversations on religion, abortion access, and all things Repro, you can find all our episodes on Podbean, Spotify, and Apple Podcasts. For more content, training, and other information, check us out at faithchoiceohio.org.